Hey there, birth nerd. You're listening to the Birth Worker Podcast. My name is Kylie Banks, and I am totally obsessed with birth and equally obsessed with business. And this is the show where I help women turn their passion for birth into a sustainable, profitable, and most importantly, impactful career. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Birth Worker Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie, and I'm so excited for this interview today. Today's episode is with a woman named Caitlin Wozniak. She is absolutely amazing. You might know her as the Fit Doula. She's also on Instagram as Caitlin Danae, and she's amazing. Her soul is amazing. Her branding is amazing. Her business is amazing. She is just all around a really, really cool human. So I was super excited that I got to meet her and chat with her while I was interviewing her for this episode. Caitlin is not only a doula, she is a mom to two, and she is a fitness expert. She is a trainer, and that's really how she got into birth work is through her passion of training. And she also has a love for psychology, which is really cool. We dove into that a little bit in this episode. But I just have to say that as I was listening to the episode, uh, the replay, as I was editing it, it really made me just realize how great of a conversation this is. So it's a long one, but I promise you it is top three episodes that I've ever put out, especially top three interviews. Caitlin is phenomenal. We get into some topics like the sister wound in birth work, the money wound, self-care, self-love, competition, collaboration, all of these amazing topics. So super excited to see what you think. I'll put all of the links for you in the show notes, and I hope you guys love it as much as I do. And then it's also too, like, when do we take care of ourselves? Oh, when do I, what? I just started like feeling like myself again, like three and a half years later. I feel like that's probably pretty normal, you know, a couple years later, but it's like, yeah, I just, yeah. never made time for things that I enjoyed. Like I didn't even like listen to music in the past three years. It was like, I just totally got lost, but I I started my business. like, as soon as I had her. I started it before, but when I had her, it was like, I got to get serious about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was like, I became a mom and started a business. Mom yeah. life is obviously amazing. Business took off like crazy. And now right. it's like, wait, like who is Kylie even? Like, what, yeah. what did I used to do? What did I used totally. to like? That's uh, a huge part of like the message that I've been sending right now is I think like, um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but like, I think a lot of the messaging around motherhood is like, um, I think it's like the expectation that you're just supposed to be happy sitting in motherhood. Right. And I'm like, that's a fragment of me. And yeah. I found that like, when I really did start carving out time to like reconnect with myself was when I started excelling at being a mom, because wow. I started feeling like, Oh, like I, I'm a person within being a mom, right? I'm a woman and not just a mom and like being able to connect with my passions and my hobbies and all these things, like it just made me show up bigger for them. And it's so cool. Like even, I mean, obviously like I'm a trainer, so like all my stuff's down here, but my daughter will come downstairs and be like, I'm strong. And I'm like, hell yes, you are. Right. It's like so cool to see those things like play out and make space for us as, as moms, but also like I want my kids, if they choose to have kids one day to be like, I'm not just kind of stuck in this place that feels really isolating and confusing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I remember I reached out to like someone that I really respected at one point and I just used the word stuck. It was like, I feel stuck. Um, and he had said to me, you're, you're not stuck. It's literally just something that you're experiencing right now in the moment. You don't, you don't have to like make it your personality. You don't have to like pretend like it's bigger than it is. Like it's just something you're experiencing right now and it can change at any minute. And just that switch, whether it was about business or birth work or being a mom or personal stuff, it was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I'm, like my book isn't written yet. I can like change yeah. the change yeah. the the narrative at any point. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and I I mean I know like a big part of your story is like how overnight your Instagram took off, the business took off, and like I can imagine just trying to like keep pedaling the feet under the yeah. surface and catching up to that. Like, yeah. how do you have time? How do you have yeah. time? To, like, be like, okay, wait. I also need to like. I don't take myself out for a coffee. Yeah, <laughs> right. What is that even? Yeah. And it was the first time I was a mom. It was the first time I only have one daughter, but it was the first time I was a mom ever. It was the first time I like had like I had a social media or had a business ever. Um, first time I hired a team ever. You know, a lot of firsts happened. And then in that I totally lost myself. I actually am gonna do another episode with one of my friends, Nicole, here soon, just about how I there. Okay, the reason I was able to build such an amazing company is because I hustled. I really did. I love it. And I hustled. I didn't hustle at the expense of like my family. Like we still went on so many vacations over the past couple of years. I really don't work that many hours when I think about it. Like I don't work as much as like a nine to five, but I hustled. And since I hustled so much for the past three and a half years, now I got to a point where like I don't need to hustle anymore, but I don't know anything other than the hustle. So it's like my, it's almost like my nervous system is just like, what the F just happened over the past four years, three years. Um, So yeah, like I'm having to like go find coaches and like actually put my money where my mouth is. If like, if I say I want to relax, it's like, actually, I think I need to actually hire people at this point to help me do that. So hiring the wellness coaches, um, hiring the mindset coaches, hiring the fitness coaches, just to like tell my nervous system that like, you did it. You got here. You did what you needed to do. You like, yeah. you know, are helping your family thrive. And now you can take a break. <laughs> no, and like all of what you've accomplished is like, it's not for nothing, right? Like it, it's yeah. immense like strength and stamina and grit. Like this stuff is, is it's not like any of this comes easy. It's like you deserve the time, but yeah, it's like, you feel like, oh, wait, what now? <laughs> yeah. If I don't work, what? Yeah. If I don't work, who's gonna, if I don't work, how are we going to keep going? But it's, yeah, we got to a point where it's like, I, I put in the work for a reason and I put in the work. I have to always remember like, what was the reason that I did that? And really for me, it was just like freedom to not have to have a boss, <laughs> um, freedom to not have to like, really like, uh, you know, stay home all the time. Like I can go travel, I can travel the world, I can go wherever I want, whenever I want. Um, and then freedom really just to like do what I want with my life and not have to really like look at my my budget. And I, yeah, I was able to do that. And now, man, if I don't actually take advantage and like soak it up and like enjoy it, then it was all for nothing. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear, I so before this call, I was just thinking about 
Okay. At the end, obviously I, I brought you on this podcast because I love the message that you've been sharing lately, but also like I want, I want to learn about you and I want my audience to learn about you. So would you share just a little bit about how you found fitness and then also how you found birth and then how you merged the two. And then somewhere in there, I want to start hearing about um, the mission that you're trying to spread right now. Yeah. So I will make this as concise as possible. <laughs> um, I, studied psychology in college. And my the reason for that was that I battled eating disorders for most of my youth and through like a little bit of college as well. And a lot of body image issues, um, like many of us have had throughout the course of our lives. And I, as I started really healing and recovering, um, I was working with a lot of mentorship groups and I was like, okay, I really think I want to step into clinical counseling, working with eating disorders. Um, I quickly learned that like clinical settings and sitting down all day was not for me. Like I just am not wired that way. I'm also, there's Sagittarius placements all over my, my chart. If you're into Zodiac and astrology, like I am a very high energy, like fire sign. And, um, but I believe it was 2011. I took my very first indoor cycling class and it was all about just moving your body. And there were no numbers. There were no, like, um, it wasn't about RPMs or calories or any of yeah. that. It was just simply moving and being present in your body. And I started putting the pieces of the puzzles together where there was no one bridging the gap between like healing, eating disorders and body image concerns and how to repair your relationship with movement and food. Um, and so I just saw it as a beautiful opportunity to like take this step into fitness and work with women who really struggled in their bodies. And that really organically <laughs> tapered into pre and postnatal personal training, because a lot of my clients were becoming pregnant. I never felt like I had the tools to appropriately train them. And I just got super passionate and fascinated by it. And when I took the plunge to take this, like get this really immersive, intense pre and postnatal certification, I found out, I think it was three days later that I was pregnant with my son. My gosh. I know it was so wild. It just felt like this like beautiful serendipitous path that I was on. And so I got to apply a lot of these principles to myself while also, you know, so I was learning personally and professionally and becoming a doula was the next step in the cycle because a lot of my postpartum clients were coming to me with severe postpartum, either birth, like emotional trauma or physical trauma. And admittedly, I think when I first started as a doula, I was so focused on helping people prevent pelvic floor trauma mm. and not the global picture. And as I kept doing the work, I just feel like my approach to it just started evolving and really seeing women as like sisters, right? Like we are shoulder to shoulder walking this line of advocacy and education and empowerment and I just think my approach started shifting. And so obviously like the physical piece, I mean, the sign back here says the fit doula, like it's, it's become so much a part of my identity and I love it. I think it's so sweet, but I think in the past year, I've been really called into exploring the principles around the divine feminine 
and feminine energies and sister wounds, because I think as somebody who came from a place of battling my own body, I also throughout a lot of my like younger years saw other women as a competition because I was so insecure. Um, And so, yeah, I think that really is what landed me to this current message of seeing mothers as women first, as people first, um, and giving each of us the space to explore who we are within motherhood and parenthood so that we don't get to that place. And we all get there at some point. There's always moments of feeling a little isolated and confused because we're also constantly evolving as people, um, but really holding space for the person within motherhood. I love it. I love it. Something that's been on my mind a lot lately, and I I have actually been nervous to post about this on social media, um, is that this there's even a phrase going around um with uh, with women and not the system support women mm-hmm. and don't support the system but then i actually look deeper and it's like support women unless they want something different than you support mm. women unless they're unless they're thriving and enjoying something more than you oh support women gosh. unless they they need support and it's all of these situations where i'm like wait a second like it should be support women period period and yeah. And that's honestly, that's why, that's why I grew the autonomy mommy. And it truly was like, I don't care what your decisions are. I just want you to feel empowered to make those decisions for yourself without me telling you what to do, without your doctor telling you what to do, without your mother-in-law telling you what to do, like do what you want to do. And yeah, I, I, I just, I feel it all over the place now in a very different way, but just, yeah, like support women unless, unless they're not worthy of your support. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, I have a visceral reaction to it every time I see it. And, and I struggle because I believe that the essence of the job is to support women, right? When you break down the definition of a doula, it's a woman who serves and it's a woman who serves a woman in labor. And I also struggle with this idea that in supporting women, there's this underlying theme of like, but I don't trust that she's intelligent and discerning enough to make her own informed decisions. I approach my work and I think you do as well. And like, I will give you the education and the risk, the benefits, the alternatives, this, that, the other. And I believe that you are powerful and capable enough, because you are, to take with that take that information and do with it what you need to do. And the more we create a hierarchy around birth and claim that one method of birth is superior to another. And imagine we tell somebody that like this method of and mode of delivering your baby is superior from the moment they sign a contract with us until they're in labor and delivery and something goes sideways now they feel like a failure. And that's the first emotion they feel as they enter new motherhood or new parenthood and postpartum. And that to me just feels like such a disservice to them. Yeah. Yeah. I see so many parallels with fitness and training and just being an athlete in birth. Um, and I think it's, I think it's actually one of the reasons I had such an amazing birth experience is because I was an athlete earlier in my life. Um, I did Olympic, like, competition Olympic weightlifting. Um, and just, you don't go into it 
saying like it has to be this one outcome. You you go into it saying, I'm going to train my hardest. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do all the things that I need to do. And like the rest is up to like, you know, how it unfolds. And um, that mindset, I think, really, really helped me in birth also. I, I did a podcast recently, and I don't know if this is going to air first or not. So I have to double check that. <laughs> but I, I did a podcast uh, recently with a woman named Victoria. And we just chatted about how can we bring the nuance back to birth again? Because you're so right. Like if the goal is to have, let's just sit, let's just go like one far side. If the goal is to have a, a completely autonomous free birth with nothing quote unquote going wrong, and then and then something done does end up happening and you choose to go to the hospital, if your only goal was to have a free birth, that's gonna like rock your shit. That's gonna suck. Mm-hmm. But what if your goal was to trust your intuition? What if your goal was to make decisions for yourself in every moment? What if your goal was to to trust yourself that whatever decision you make is going to be the right decision, whether or not that ends up being at home as a free birth or in the hospital because you chose to get an IV or chose to get a cesarean or whatever it is. And so that honestly, from day one, that was that was my message as a doula and as a birth educator was let's get rid of the goal that has to do with an outcome. And let's literally have our only goal be that you're the one who makes the decisions. And, and the reason that I, I kind of leaned that way is because when I first started, <laughs> this is a whole other conversation, but when I first started, I took so many training courses because I kind of needed to validate myself. I felt like I didn't know enough. So one of the courses I took was a trauma course. And obviously it's, it's amazing to learn, but I was learning from a place of not enoughness. Um, I took a, a course on, on trauma and just learned that trauma doesn't necessarily happen because of bad outcomes. Trauma doesn't necessarily happen because of a painful birth, though obviously it can. Um, but trauma often happens just because someone feels out of control, not heard, not seen, not listened to. And so, yeah, when, when I learned that, I was like, oh, awesome. Like I, I have grown up just literally from toddlerhood, the kind of person who says, don't tell me what to do. If you tell me what to do, I'm going to ask you why. And if your answer is not good, I'm not going to do what you have to say. And like that alone, I really think that that alone was like the key factor in me having an amazing birth experience is because I was in charge. I made every decision. I wasn't scared to say no. And so, yeah, that was like the underlying theme of just when I was like so deep into childbirth education, that was like the entire theme. And and I, I love that. Yeah, you can relate to that. <laughs> totally. And it's so funny because I'm the same. Like the second you tell me not to do something, I'm just going to like, I'm going to do it. Watch me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, you know, we were talking earlier and saying, wanting the idea of wanting to work for yourself. I worked in a big, yeah. big corporate gym for a long time. And even my boss would be like, there's the rebel. You know, and I think like the beauty of this job too is being able to create your own rules. And so I respect that some doulas have like, it's like, you know, it's everyone kind of structures their, their process differently and structure prenatals differently and structures their business differently and has different rates and this, that, the other. If, if you have your bias in birth, that is okay. But I don't think it is appropriate ever to push it on anyone else who doesn't align with that. Right. And I think a lot of that too goes back to like the scarcity mindset as well sometimes. And like, um, to your point of like also the imposter syndrome. I mean, I was on the, the, the certification hamster wheel for so long myself. I feel like we invest all this money and time in like these things. And then you realize that like, it's not always the answer. 
though they're valuable most of the time, but I think like, you know, talking out to like sister wounds and things of that nature and really uplifting women in general and supporting one another in this line of work as well is like, we have to move away from this idea that there's not enough work for all of us and there's not enough space for all of us. And I spoke to someone recently and um, she'd been a former career, been a midwife and a doula. And we got to this, she now does um, aesthetics and does like, I went to see her for my Botox and we got into this whole conversation about how she was like, I went to the whole other side of the spectrum. Like everybody thinks like I um, like went rogue, right? Just, I, I'm no longer aligned with, with the midwifery model of care simply because like I'm supporting women in a very different way. People just don't see the correlation between the two jobs. Yeah. And I had, I've had several doulas tell me like, you should never wear makeup to prenatals or consultations because it makes your potential client or your client feel uncomfortable or they don't want to see you in a way that makes them feel vulnerable when they're in labor. Like they're wait, what? Like women are so like, we are as people, but particularly like, I I don't know. Like, I think like, I can only speak to this lens of like, cause as a woman, like I, someone who identifies as a woman and like, I get very passionate about the fact that we are truly layered and dynamic and powerful people. And we can be so passionate about a multitude of things. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that we do it for us. Like the intrinsic motivation of like, this is for me. And I think that that theme plays out in supporting birth and exactly what you said of like, that might not be the way that I would have done it. And I hate to see you go through something challenging. And we've walked through the risks, the benefits, the alternatives, again, like all these things, like you have the education. As a doula, if you make a decision that like is all yours and you're owning it, I might now, my job now is to maybe be in anticipation of how to be one step ahead of what might come next. And that's our job, right? Mm -hmm. Is to support them and then like pivot and our eyes are all over the room and anticipating the next thing and the next thing and and just being there in support of them and doing it with our full heart and then understanding that like at the end of the day to your point and acknowledging your point i think the birth trauma does come when there are external pressures and you feel like you've let someone down uh, and not exclusively, but that that exists too, right? In addition to the other things. And also everyone learns differently and everyone makes decisions differently. And I don't, not to go on a like complete tangent and like off, slightly off here, but even when people say they won't support medicated birth or epiduralized birth, I argue that I think they might need us more. Mm. and understanding how to advocate and knowing that like you do have access <laughs> to mobility and like how to move that process along in a more efficient and safe way um yeah it's interesting that you say that last thing because the niche that i found myself in was this like autonomous home birth i don't take no shit from no one like i don't need anybody's help type of 
niche, for lack of a better word. And it's actually really funny because when I tried to build a business around that, I built a business serving women who said, I don't need help, which is so fantastic. But it's just a funny thing to think about. Of I, I gave a lot of free content. I had some amazing birth courses, but almost none of these people wanted to hire me in person as their doula. The people who hired me in person as their doula were very different people than that. They typically weren't the, I take no shit, I need no help, I'm good type of people. So it was really fun to like see that that dynamic and like who would come to me for what kind of support. Uh, Yeah, that was fascinating. I also want to touch on the makeup thing because I feel like when a doula, when someone is telling you don't wear makeup to a prenatal, what they're doing is victimizing your client and saying your client doesn't have the ability to almost like determine who you are as their doula for themselves. Like your client, your client is not smart enough. They're too dumb. They're 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 not going to be able to discern what's going on for themselves. And that is that is like a theme here that you've been talking about too, which is that is just not true. It's it's yeah. it's not true. My clients are are smart enough. My students are smart enough. I don't feel bad selling my courses because I know if someone buys it, they wanted to buy it. I don't feel like I'm tricking people. I don't feel like people need me to save them, um, which is actually like a kind of a a non-status quo view, um, especially when it comes to birth. One of the things that comes up all the time in my doula training program is I, I teach about victim and heroes and and how to not victimize our clients and how to not like be the hero of the birth room. But one of the first questions that the new doulas ask me is, well, does that mean like if there's abuse going on, I shouldn't really say anything? And in my mind, it's like, no, like that is like two totally different worlds. It's like you don't want to come in from like the the emotional internal, like you need saving point of view. But if someone is obviously being abused, like you should obviously stand up and and say something and do something. So, yeah, it's a weird thing to grasp. But I, I love that you just understand that, too. Totally. And I often say, and I don't think this is unique to me, but, uh, you know, advocacy in our line of work is a hot topic. Um, and, and I respect that. Like, I think there's absolutely, in my, my personal stance is that there's absolutely a time and a place when I need to speak up and advocate and step in because especially like there are moments in labor when my, my client might be nonverbal she's gone primal. <laughs> she's in a dark bathroom, you know, like I got the rest of this, but I always remind my clients that the end goal is not for them to look back on their birth and say, I could not have done that without Caitlin. It's for them to feel victorious in their own ability to, and their partners to advocate and be educated and informed. Um, so that they feel like they could lean on me and I was there to support them. But I didn't, I didn't birth their baby. I didn't, (laughs) you know, I didn't create this beautiful victorious moment for them. I just stood by and gave them the space that they needed and the confidence throughout the course of like our prenatal time together to understand that like, ultimately they're in control. And yeah, my clients joke, like now in my, like if a client sends me a thank you note, they'll be like, I know I'm not supposed to say I couldn't have done this without you. <laughs> and it's like, know. you know, like obviously like 
you want to walk away feeling like you did your job well, but I don't want to feel like I did the entire job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like doing the job well, uh, it really has like nothing to do with like the outcome of the birth even. Right. Cause yeah, I, I actually, I see some of our, our newer doulas, they go to, you know, their first couple of births and there are horrible outcomes of the birth and they somehow make that reflective on like how they were a doula. Because I think sometimes in our minds, we think, we think wrongly that we have the power to make a birth great. When in reality, like that's, fake a little bit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and I think that, sorry, I had this, like, there's something that like on the topic of uh, (laughs) being a mother and having mom brain, I'm like, something was just at the tip of my tongue and it just went away. Um, But I, I do think though that like, there, there's also this narrative that like birth is predict like perfectly predictable and perfectly yeah. linear. And I think like when you break down the essence of like, here are the seven cardinal movements and like, here's yeah. like, here's early labor, here's active labor. Yeah. <laughs> sure. There are parts of it that are like predictable in some ways, but at the end of the day, like there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of, yeah. there, there are so many variables. And I remember I've left so many births, especially in the earlier days of my career, just sobbing and feeling like I let my client down, but we cannot save birth, right? It's, it's, that's under, well, this is what I was going to say is that I think there's this idea and some of it, I'd be curious actually to hear your thoughts on this. We have all of these stats about when you hire a doula, you're 5,000 times less likely to have a C-section, right? It's like, and so consumers of this content believe they hire a doula and it's waving a magic wand over their birth space. And they are guaranteed to have a like satisfying birth experience and a positive birth experience. And then they get into the meat of the education and they're like, oh, I see. (laughs) We still, I think in the early days of our career are also consuming that information. We oh, step yeah. into it because we want to leave a lasting positive impact. And so when things do go negatively, before you start to really put all those pieces of the puzzle together, it feels so personal. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love my clients. I, they, many of them have become like family to me and I, you know, so it is personal, but it's also not at the hands of you not doing your job. Like our job again is in essence to support. And being there and supporting them through the hard stuff, we've done our job. It's true. It's true. I I feel like the journey of a doula is you, you start out and you think, oh my God, I don't know anything. I have to learn more to become a better doula. And then I feel like the next step is like the, the, like, I'm full of myself. I know everything type of thing. (laughs) I know how birth goes. I know that if you decline unnecessary interventions, you will have an amazing birth with nothing going wrong. And then I feel like it's not to like doulas actually get rocket and roll in and maybe witness some traumatic births or, or, you know, hear more stories or learn more or just like process what they're parroting. Then they start to realize that there is nuance in birth. And maybe, maybe I'm like, projecting this on other doulas because this was totally me. I I remember that 
like posting on, on Instagram posts that I now go back and look and I'm like, there's no room for nuance here. The post, like your body knows how to grow a baby. So your body knows how to birth a baby. And though like posts like that can be super helpful and super empowering and motivating. I, I had, um, an ectopic pregnancy where the baby was growing inside my ovary And so now I just look at the statement that your body knows how to grow a baby so it can birth a baby. I look at that and I'm like, well, actually, that's bullshit because my body actually didn't know how to grow a baby and neither did, you know, 30 percent of all people who, you know, have miscarriages. Like our body didn't know how to grow a baby. So like, how dare you tell us that our body also knows how to birth a baby? But I'm in this weird place where it's I also had an amazing, very like easy, for lack of a better word, home birth. Everything went fine. Like it was fantastic. Also, the majority of the births that I've attended as a doula have been fantastic. I have never gone to a bad health outcome uh, birth. Yes, there have been hiccups. Yes, there have been infections and things like that. But nothing that really in the big grand scheme would be like this was a medical emergency um, or with a really negative outcome. And so I realized that I am a little bit of a unicorn, especially when I look at some of my students. We've had one student this year who had two uh, two babies pass away after birth. And it was her first 10 births that she went to. I'm like, holy crap, like how lucky am I to not ha- have experienced that? Um, but also it's like, yeah, where is the nuance? Because now I go look and I see like other birth influencers say things like, um, as long as you don't accept unnecessary interventions, your birth is going to be fine. Or just listen to your body. Your body knows what it's doing. And I'm like, that is actually so hurtful. And how about instead of like trying to be a guru, we just actually reflect and be the mirror for our client. I remember, um, one, it was actually a friend, a friend student who ended up texting me while she was having her free birth. And she texted me asking all the questions, right? Should I go to the hospital? Am I okay? Is this normal? And I literally said nothing besides, what is your body telling you? What is your mind telling you? What do you think? And she made her own decision and had uh, made an amazing decision. And guess what? She transferred to the hospital and still says, Kylie, that was amazing. I was in charge of my own birth. Everything, every decision I made, I made instead of her saying, you know, I trust Kylie more than myself. I'm going to listen to what Kylie says more than myself. I don't even know my intuition. Let me see what this like big influencer guru says about birth. It's like, that's like not helpful at all. So I just love the themes of this. This is going to be everybody's favorite podcast episode because we're, we're shining a light on things that just aren't said enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, of course, I just, for anyone who is listening, of course, we want our clients safe. We want them healthy. We want them happy. That can exist with autonomy, right? Exactly. Arguably the most with autonomy. Exactly. And I it doesn't need to be micromanaged. Like they yeah. will find, I've had clients like, they deviated from like I walked into a I walked into a birth once. They called me there after like things had been going on for a while. And I was like, I picked up her birth plan in quotes and I'm reading over it. I'm like, like 90% of this isn't happening right now. Like, what's going on? But she was thrilled. I mean, mm-hmm not a negative thing to say because she felt empowered to make decisions to change her plan in the moment. 
I can't think of really anything better than that. Right. Amazing. I, I knew that I could do this. I knew like that this was available to me and it felt right. And so now I can look back and be overjoyed and proud of myself. And I, um, I just, you know, I think about, I've had two cesareans. My kids were C-section babies. My first, I had a myomectomy, a uterine fibroid removed years before my son was born. And to be, to be fair, and I think this is, I have a point in sharing this, but with my son, it felt very coercive. It was like, you are not a candidate for a vaginal birth. You will have a C-section. There was no conversation about risks of uterine rupture. And to be fair, there wasn't, I looking even now, there's not enough research on surgical myomectomies and successful rates of vaginal births. Laparoscopic, sure, but surgical, a little different. And you kind of have to base it off of, I effectively had a, 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 I effectively had a cesarean. And so I just went into the OR, had a decent experience (laughs) because I didn't know any better. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, at that point, I was already working as a doula. So I knew more and I knew VBACs were an option on the table and I did all the research and I dug my heels in and I advocated and I hired my amazing doula and I did all the things and I was going to have an unmedicated vaginal birth. And around 32 weeks, I started having the most bizarre pains. Like I'd be down here working and be doubled over in pain on the floor. And it would wake me up in the middle of the night and it would feel like timeable contractions, but then it would just go away. And some of them were like long. So I wasn't like this, is this prodromal labor? Like I, nobody could figure it out. It was non-stress tests three times a week. And my doula, Molly, was never like, well, this is what this is. And this is what you should do. She's like, these are things to explore and consider. Um, at the end of the day, and because I had had a miscarriage between the two, I said to everyone, I was like, this is no longer worth it to me. What's worth it to me is getting through this process and getting my baby home. And I opted for an elective repeat C-section at 37 weeks. And I look back on all of it proud because I really went to work advocating for myself. And I had a lot of hurdles. I had a not very supportive like provider and practice. And, um, you know, I think they all were a little smug at the end. of it. <laughs> Whatever. Of I, don't, I don't even think about that. Like, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. What comes to mind is that I built a beautifully supportive team and I put so much faith in myself and I was able to make an informed decision. And I think even the preparation for my original plan made me a stronger person, even though it didn't come to fruition. And I think that to say my biggest problem in carrying and like working with my clients is seeing such disgusting coercion and the blatant lies and the blatant misinformation and misguidance and the weaponization of power and the weaponization of interventions as tools to like get people to push harder and faster. Like all of that stuff is gross to me. And I 
just think it's very it's a very different side of the scope than than telling clients well if you don't plan for a completely unmedicated vaginal delivery i will not support you to me yeah, it's just two different things yeah it's the, i don't know if you yeah if you feel that too but absolutely it's the you know support women in less mm-hmm. <laughs> xyz abc all these other things that don't align support women in less how could they decide to have a planned cesarean? How could they? I'm not going to support that woman. Or how dare that woman have a free birth at home without a provider? I don't support that at all. Um, yeah, it's 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 making when we judge people like that, and it could be about birth. It's showing up in business a lot in my life now. So people judging other people for making money or starting a business. <laughs> a money wound is a whole nother podcast episode. Um, <laughs> But yeah, when we're doing that, we're placing ourselves at the top. We're saying, I am the hero. I am the one who knows all. I am the one who can define what this is for everybody. And I just like refuse to play a part of that. I, yes, I am like the hero of my own world, but you're the hero of your own world. And that other person knows just as much. And one of the, one of the quotes that is like my favorite quote of all time is, um, to understand all is to forgive all. Because if we can understand like where people are coming from and what they've gone through in their own life that led them to have that idea or that perspective, it's very easy to not, we're, okay, we're not talking about like forgive most horrible things, but we're talking about, yeah, like I can understand why that person is so horrible because guess what? a lot of people were horrible to that person. So that person has trauma and they're just, you know, it's the spiral and they're traumatizing other people. It's just that like aha moment and that understanding. And it it comes a lot easier to to forgive in that case. And we could talk about that with birth, with business, with, with the money wound, with like, why is the obstetrician so coercive? Oh, probably because they had to go through med school. And that was like, one of the most traumatic things for that person. Oh, they've actually witnessed 500, you know, bad outcome births. No wonder, um, you know, and then why is the the free birth coach who only supports free birth? Why do they hate that person? Oh, because they've only heard the stories of the coercive providers. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that. Like to understand all is to forgive all. Um, and yeah, becoming the watcher is like the greatest thing that I've ever done. It's just not trying to fight not trying to fight people anymore. I posted this on my stories yesterday. I When I started my Instagram account, I wanted to prove my point so bad. I would argue till I was blue in the face. I would be mean to people. I would not listen to people. And I just had to say that I was so happy I outgrew that. And now I can see like the nuance in all of it. And to be honest, part of it is that probably when I first started, I just had that imposter syndrome. And now I literally don't because like, I look at myself, I say, look at what I built. Like there's no imposter syndrome here. There's only like excitement and belief and knowing that whatever I want to do, I can do because I've proven myself, right? So now like, I don't need to prove my point. I don't need to prove my point. I don't need to like fight back to the trolls anymore. Um, And that's actually one of the things that when I reached out to you and asked to be on this podcast, I was just going, I was stalking the heck out of you and just reading your posts. And that was it. It was like, do you have the confidence? Do you believe in yourself so much that you don't care if other people believe in believe in you? Do you love yourself so much that you don't care if other people love you? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I think about often is that the people who do feel so loved, 
by themselves and supported and confident, they're not the ones that are going out there and belittling other people. And this is part of that, like trying to understand all is to forgive all, because sometimes people are really mean online. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, interesting. Like, I wonder what's going on in their personal life that they show up really mean online. And it's no longer, oh, I have to prove my point or they better believe in me or they need to listen to me or I'm right and they're wrong. It's way, way much more just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think the, the confidence piece is so hard. I have dug myself out of some of the darkest, deepest holes throughout the course of my life. And not that I wish we all had to traverse deep, dark, traumatic times to get on the other side of it. I wish we all were just born with inherent, immense, endless amounts of confidence. And, and sadly that starts with like, nature nurture the whole thing right there's a, it opens a can of worms and i try every day to just lift my kids up and be yep. their most authentic selves even when it is really exhausting for <laughs> us as parents <laughs> like let your freak flag fly and ask all the crazy questions and do all the creative things but like oh boy am i tired um, <laughs> but it's I think that um, when we can build the confidence in ourselves, especially practice, like putting those things into practice and flexing the muscle through challenging moments, it's it, to me it's it's fortified my ability to just show up as myself. And I think I spent so much of my life just trying to appease other people, trying to blend in, trying to fit in, trying to be someone I wasn't because I thought that that's what everyone expected of me, and now I, I, I posted about this recently, but I did a photo shoot with a photographer who I love and admire. She does such beautiful work. And I came to her recently and I said, I want to do a branding shoot. I feel like my photos are like driving people away. They're like too bold and, and sexy and like confident. And she was like, but do you want to work with people who like, don't like that? It's like, F no, like, no. But that simple question of like, do you want to work with those people? Is that the client you align with? Are those the women you align with? Are that, is that the kind of people you want to surround yourself with? And absolutely not. I don't, I, I would rather, and I think that's something too, a message that all of us as doulas, especially in the beginning can benefit from is like, when you do a consultation, if there's a mismatch energy, say no walk away. It'll never, it'll never go well. There's been two births that I attended and I knew from the jump that they were not a fit. And sure enough, there are two that just stand out as like, not that I don't respect them and and that they didn't have beautiful deliveries and, and all those things, but it just, things happen throughout the course of, of the journey that just felt off. And it was a disservice, I think, to both of us, right? And it, and and so I think being more protective of your identity and knowing, again, like going back to the scarcity mindset, even like there are people for all of us who need our support and see us and where we fill that void of like, 
your approach and your insight and your message and your energy has been what's missing. I haven't found someone like you. And we all have that somewhere um, in whatever line of work we're in. And coming to that realization, building the confidence, doing all the deep self-work that led me here. And I feel like my my career has never been more successful. I've never felt more fulfilled in my relationships, um, like interpersonal, friends, career, family, all of it, because I have stepped into a place of just being so authentically me. And I think it's attracted all the right people, especially the right clients. And um, again, like they've gone on to become like family to me and friends to me. And I go to their kids' birthday parties and we hang out. And it's just, that's so special to be like, be, to leave the lasting impact that like you saw me through the most vulnerable, magical, powerful, intense moment of my life and made me feel safe. And so I want to maintain that connection with you. Like, how cool is that? Like we get to do that. (laughs) It's so cool. There's that saying, people are going to hate you no matter what you do. Yeah. So you might as well do like what you want. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like everyone knows it, but it's it's hard to like actually embody that. I, uh, I, I know the exact same, I have the exact same thing where it's, well, let me look at what like the people who, who made it are doing. What kind of branding do they have? What kind of colors do they have? What kind of fonts do they have? What kind of services do they offer? What's their sales page look like? And let me just try and like, uh, embody their personality because they've made it. Uh, and you know, it, 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 in my own personal journey, it wasn't until I actually found my own voice that it started taking off. And so it's so hard. It's, I know that people want to aspire to be their mentors. And I know that it's like people hire coaches and they want to just do everything the coach tells them. But I have two values in my business. The very first one is that nobody's the guru. Just because I do something one way, even if I teach you one thing, like that does not mean that it's the only way or the best way or that there's not other ways at all. Um, it's so funny. I feel like I have to reiterate that every time I'm coaching students, I feel like at the end of every time I coach them, I'm like, but only do that if you want. Only do that, like check in with yourself and see if it feels good. This isn't the only way. And then my other value for our business is autonomy, which means that Really, we let everybody decide for themselves how they want to live their own life in business and birth. There's a lot of parallels between business and birth and fitness, um, which is so fun. (laughs) I wanted to say, I just remembered um, before I became a doula, I had toyed with becoming a fitness coach because fitness was my entire personality in my like early 20s. But I couldn't bring myself to it just because everyone made fitness and nutrition so black and white. Like, And and then I got into birth and it's like everything, everyone is so black and white. <laughs> and so I look at you and I'm just like, you have like two of the like most, like, I don't know, some of the hardest roles where it's like people have such strong opinions and sometimes they're the most ignorant opinions and sometimes it's like the most mean opinions. And so I just, yeah, my hat's off to you for, for loving it and doing it and continuing to like do your passion, even though people are probably like not super nice all the time or people have judgments and, and all that stuff. I appreciate that very much. It is it you're right. It's there's so there's so little gray area from the peanut gallery. And at the end of the day, I I spent a lot of the early days of my especially my fitness career in immense imposter syndrome and believing that like okay, well I studied the textbook and I aced the test, but like now I'm in front of this person and I 
there are a million voices now in my head telling me what is right, what is wrong. And I nearly gave up my career in fitness because I was so terrified of programming. Every time I programmed for a client, I was like, someone's going to tell me this is wrong. And when I left that big box gym and started training on my own, it was like the most freeing thing. Um, but with pre and postnatal, it's, it's, the thing that I always go back to, because I, I only exclusively train pre and postnatal at this point, um, I have my own method and I trust it. I believe in it. I'm also capable of pivoting for any client at any moment, but I always go back to, there are hundreds, if not thousands of way to train a prenatal or postpartum client correctly. There's like three ways you can really screw someone up. <laughs> and so I think when I started coming to that realization of like, there's a whole world out there of people doing this with like different iterations of kind of the same thing, but then also something completely out of the blue that we've never seen before. And it works and good for them. And like, how cool <laughs> that we can all learn from each other. Yeah. But also it doesn't mean that my way is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I love to teach some of my new students that the, this whole idea of like competition or I'm right or you're wrong is, I think it's like almost a belief that, uh, new people have that keeps them small. And it might even be some sort of like, I don't know, maybe it's like some conspiracy to like keep the small people small. If the small people are competing against each other, they're, they're always going to, they're going to fight to the death. Right. But it's like all the people at the quote unquote top, and this could be, you could take this to mean anything you want, but all the people at the top, they're friends. They're going on vacation together. They're collaborating together. They're investing in each other's businesses. And it's like, it's almost like, again, conspiracy. They're keeping the small people feeling like they hate each other. Um, man, that we could talk about that could be politics, that could be birth, <laughs> that could be business, that could be all of that. Okay. But, but I, I love telling my students that. There, there are other people out there who have uh, successful like online birth education courses. There are other people out there who have doula training programs. There are other people out there who have amazing podcasts. And guess what? I collaborate with them. I'm yeah. friends with them. We talk behind the scenes. It's not like, oh, well, she's got a also a good podcast, so they probably compete against each other. Right. Um, so I, I love teaching that from the very beginning of like, how can you just become friends with the people in your community, even if you disagree, because yeah. how beautiful is that to like have this network that you can send people to, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm teaching only about like mindset and home birth, you better believe I should make friends with someone who's teaching about hospital birth. Yep. You better believe I should make friends who's teaching about free birth. So then we can support each other. It doesn't have to be this, like, um, if I win, it means you lose. Or if yes. you lose, it means I win. It, it doesn't, oh, there's literally, we all can win. <laughs> I saw this post the other day. It was from like a social media manager or something. I can't remember. I think, I mean, that's what the content was about. So I assume that was her, her role, but it was like ways to boost your Instagram account. And one of the things said, you should always be commenting on at least five of your competitors posts. So you get in front of like the eyes of their audience. And I just was so turned off by that language. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying five of your peers. Yeah. She chose to say five Shift. of your competitors. And yeah. it's like, but why? Like, can't yeah. well, and I think like that's the essence of all of this, right? It's like we're all on the same team. Exactly. We all want our clients to have like 
powerful, empowered birth experiences. And like when we have all these competing uh like beliefs and 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 we're all just trying, I think, especially in the age of social media, and you touched on this in your own content, right? It's like, and we've all done it. It's like you want to put out the most catchy, buzzworthy, attention grabbing posts and captions and all these things to get people in. And then you got them, but then there's this bait and switch of like, oh, but like there's nuance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But people are like jarred by that. And, And and it works in many ways, but then in a lot of other ways, it makes people feel really bad about themselves and Mm -hmm. and question their experiences or their decisions and this, that, the other. And I I just think that we all need to see each other again as peers and and be supportive. It's not about the competition. It's about lifting each other up and also making this work more accessible. And also like when we get out of each other's way, the hospital systems are going to be more likely to hear us speak and and present our concerns and curiosities suggestions and i've att- i tell all my clients i'm not going to walk into your birth space as a bulldog i won't because it does not serve you the second i come in like i'm there to protect someone the nurses guards go up they ice everyone out and so I go in collaboratively and I start saying, Hey, hi, my name's Caitlin. Put me to work however you need me. Like, if there's anything you want to chat about on like the birth preferences, I'm happy to like talk about it. And when the OBs come in the room, if they are saying something, instead of being like, Well, that's wrong, I'm like, I'm really curious. Like, can we talk about this? Cause this is what I read and I would love to hear your insight on this. And I think it opens up just this world of possibility for all of us to go so much further and make each other's lives so much better. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like we're just saying all the same things in all these beautiful, inspiring and powerful ways. <laughs> it's like this, just the same theme of like, we literally are in this for the same, the same outcome, the same end goal. And we have to have each other's backs and stop like putting up these barriers to cooperation and connection and and community. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I, I just looked at the clock and I'm like, I feel like we've been talking for two minutes and here we've been going for an entire hour. Um, will you tell us anyone who's listening to this, whether they're um, pregnant or a mom or they're into fitness or they're a doula where are like all the ways that we can reach out to you or what are you up to? What are you working on? How can someone hire you to tell us all the things? <laughs> so despite being a millennial, I am only on one social media platform. Good for you. <laughs> You're smart. There's no TikTok. There's yeah, none of that. Whatever's out there. I'm only on Instagram and it's at Caitlin Denae. It's my middle name. Most people get that confused because my first and last is Caitlin Wozniak, but it's K-A-I-T-L-Y-N-D-I-N-N. E-H. My website then is CaitlinWozniak.com. I do all pre and postnatal personal training. I offer written programming. Um, and I am a birth doula in the DC area. So Washington, DC, Northern Virginia, Baltimore. Um, I pretty much live in my car. There's a doula bag, a comforter, just in case you never know when you need to take a nap all kinds of things. I'm always on the go. So the entire DMV area, I actually have attended births in Pennsylvania, Florida, all over. So oh my gosh, I love I'm, I'm around. And uh, I also have been offering, actually, because I became a doula in 2020, I also still have continued to offer virtual doula support for people, you know, out of state as well. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes. So everyone, if you're listening and you want to reach out, reach out to Caitlin, uh, let her know that you love this episode and yeah, find ways to work with her. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. I promise it was one of the best interviews that I've ever done. Caitlin is phenomenal. I don't know. Maybe I should go start a podcast with Caitlin because it was just so much fun to re-listen to that as I was editing and to, of course, have the conversation with her. So she's amazing, obviously. I will put all the links to all of her pages, her website, her Instagram in the show notes here. And then I just wanted to say again, I'm so happy that I'm back after my six-week break. It's really fun to be able to put these episodes and these every other week interviews out for you guys. Very excited to be back and to share really what I've been up to. So if you're interested in what I've been up to behind the scenes as I've been gone throughout most of this fall, go to growmydoulabusiness.com. I'm going to put that in the show notes too, but that is the free training that I have built, tested, created over the last couple of months. And so if you are a new and aspiring doula who really wants to dive into birth work, or if you are already a doula and you either need help finding more clients or building a sustainable business and maybe scaling back on in-person support and building up your online business, regardless, really whatever point you're at in your doula business, you are going to absolutely love this training. So again, I'll put it in the show notes, but you could just go to growmydoulabusiness.com enter your details and I will give you all of the information and get you into that training. Super excited. Thank you guys for being here. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow and I will see you right back here on Friday. <laughs>